This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. First, let me tell you about My Patriot Supply. This will lead right into what we're going to talk about uh, next and also uh, on tomorrow. I don't know if you've seen Leave the World Behind, the new Obama film. Uh, you should watch it. You should watch it. Then you should call My Patriot Supply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, MyPatriotSupply.com. Go there now. Get $60 off the much-needed four-week emergency food kit. They're the country's largest preparedness company, and you're fighting chance at survival in the face of real chaos. Sealed inside of rugged packaging, so they float in case there's a flood or whatever. Uh, the meals will last up to 25 years, provide over 2,000 calories a day. I can vouch for the fact it's really good. This is what I have to protect my family. Eat right in emergencies with this four-week food kit from My Patriot Supply. One low price. You can get one for everyone in your family. Just visit MyPatriotSupply.com. Order by 3 p.m. Uh, free same-day shipping. Prepare right now. MyPatriotSupply.com before you leave the world behind. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. As the Trump lead widens, prosecutors step up pursuit. This is from the Washington Examiner. Two things are true today. One, former President Donald Trump's polling nationally in key swing states and in the first voting state of Iowa has never been better. And two, the special counsel appointed by the Biden Justice Department to prosecute Trump is taking a self-described extraordinary measure in a rush to put Trump on trial before the presidential election. Huh. How's that going to work out? Later on in the program, I have Mark Levin on to talk about that. We're also going to talk to an expert uh, about uh, plagiarism and uh, Harvard University and what's going on there. But I want to start with How's all of this going to work out? I'll tell you in 60 seconds. First, 
Time to take your firearms training to the next level with Mantis X. This is a great, great Christmas gift. If you're not a gun owner, you should be. And if you are, uh, you should know that keeping your firearms training is an important responsibility when you go to the gun range when you can, when you can afford it. But with Mantis X, you could improve your shot, whether you're firing live ammunition or you're just dry fire practicing. And dry fire practicing really does, I mean, it's an amazing thing how much it helps you. It's a high-tech, easy-to-use system, widely used by the military, helps you improve your shooting quickly. You attach it to your firearm and connect it uh, with an app on your smartphone or tablet via Bluetooth. Then whether you're firing actual rounds or even dry fire practicing, it'll give you instant feedback on what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Uh, I want you to uh, I want you to go now to mantisx.com mantisx.com again this makes a, a perfect Christmas gift get it now mantisx.com okay so yesterday on yesterday's uh, broad podcast uh, we talked about how does this end? I mean, let's just play this out. How does this end? The next 12 months are going to decide America's future. And think of the pressures that are upon us. You've got war. Uh, If we have time, I'll get into what's happening in Ukraine and what the president did yesterday. And, you know, we played... Yesterday, the audio of uh, of Lindsey Graham and John McCain in 2016 saying right after the election, this is going to be the year 2017. We're coming and we're going to teach Russia and Putin a lesson. And that didn't happen. I think Trump thwarted that. So what happens? His second term is lost and we go where? Right into Ukraine. So we have that. We have the economy. We have the trouble on our streets. We have all these pressures on us. And now let's throw this log on the fire. We have Donald Trump and Joe Biden running. In normal scenarios, that wouldn't necessarily be so bad. But we're not in a normal scenario. You have Donald Trump running, who the left is trying to knock out. They're trying to take your choice away. They're trying to make sure that he can't run, and they're doing using every trick in the book. How does that work out, do you think? If Donald Trump is goes to jail, do you think there's maybe 20%? Eh, hell with that. 10% of our nation that will not stand for that? I think that's a pretty easy bet. What do they do? I don't know. What does the FBI help them do? I don't know. So if he he goes to jail, bad news. If he doesn't go to jail and Biden runs, let me ask you, Biden runs and he wins. Is anybody on the left or anybody on the right going to believe it? I'm not. I mean, I just have a really hard time. If there's anything funny going on, I'll have a really hard time. If he loses, 
What's that outcome? We'd be happy. Do you think the left is just going to sit around and not set the country on fire? Do you think they're not going to do what Hillary Clinton said to do with Joe Biden last time? Never concede, never concede, never concede. It was a stolen election. So you got the same scenario. So how, so what, what is the plan? That I can't come up with another way out on those two things. Trump wins, Biden wins. Trump goes to jail. Trump doesn't go to jail. Biden loses. I mean, I can't think of other scenarios. And I'm pretty good at this. Okay, let me give you one more. How does this one end? Biden runs. We're getting up to the election. They decide there's, there's not going to be a debate. And we all know it's because Biden, in a year from now, is going to degrade even more cognitively. And so he's looking worse and worse when he does speak. And so they keep him out and there's no debates. That's not going to work out well. And if that's happening, people will know both in and out of the Democratic Party. Oh, my dear Lord, it's Kamala is going to be the president. If she's the president at any time, the world's on fire. But I don't think anybody wants her to be the president on the left. So what happens? Kamala Harris replaces as the top of the ticket. Trump wins. Unbelievable streets on fire, right? But if Biden and the Democrats know that he's not going to make it, what they should do is replace Kamala Harris. But they can't because she was a token. Remember, I'm going to find a black woman. Oh, okay. Well, let's not go get the best person. Let's just go get the person of color. If you want to know how that ends, just see what's happening at Harvard right now. The left will set the streets on fire. So there's no way out there. Now let me share something with you that only the Democratic Party can do. The Democratic Party, after the election of Ronald Reagan, they, they did not want that to happen to them. Some outsider cannot just come in. What do the people know? So we need to have veto power, and they're called superdelegates. These superdelegates at this point have all been chosen by Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. They're in the bag for all the elites. And it is within their purview to vote against what the public has voted for. So you're a Democrat. You out to the polls. You vote for Joe Biden, and they get together and they say, Joe Biden is a disaster. Nobody really wants him, but nobody stepped up to take it from him. We can't make this happen. We can't let this happen. It'll be disaster. And so they have the power then to override the vote of the primary. And they can nominate hmm, Michelle Obama. People ask all the time, who's really running the country? My guess is the traffic between Georgetown and the White House, pretty high. 
my guess is it's the Obama administration that is actually running this place. And they're letting him do all of the all of the tough things, all of the tough things. Let him do it. He serves one term. Who could possibly be elected on such a short period of time? Who has the name recognition? Who has the trust? Who can remind people how great it was that remember when Barack was in in office, we just got started and then we had to leave and oh, and then Donald Trump and we're going to finish this. It's the first female black president, Michelle Obama. The only one that is going to have a problem with this in the Democratic Party will be Michelle Obama. She doesn't like the country. She hated the White House. But boy, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be something? The only, as a fiction writer, the only scenario that works for me that I can see playing out in anything other than a disaster. But as always, the Democrats always have a win-win scenario. It's always bad for America, but it's win-win for them. He runs, he loses, the country set on fire, the president still has executive power, he takes control. It was an unfair uh, and rigged election, and January 6th and whatever, the streets are on fire for at least three months if there's an inauguration. I'm not saying there wouldn't be, but streets are on fire for three months. Dramatically impacts America. Okay, that's a win if you're trying to destroy the country. And then if you realize that the globalists are really the ones who are buying, you know, $15 million homes on islands who couldn't pay their student loans when they got into the presidency. If you realize those globalists are really the ones behind the scenes pulling the strings anyway, all you would need is just to soften people up onto what could be coming. Oh, that reminds me. Last night, I saw the Netflix movie, Leave the World Behind. What a great movie that is. Uh, I've got a lot to say about that. I'm going to have to save it for tomorrow. Stu, have you seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it. You need to just watch it. Just the one clip I've seen. Watch it. It's not about race. Everybody is making this about race. That's not the key thing you should be looking for. Yes, it's in there. Yes, it's obnoxious. I don't, honestly, I watched it last night. You'll have a hard time liking any of the characters. There's one guy that you kind of like when he first shows up. Well, two, the two, the two husbands, the two men. You kind of like them. But they're idiots. They're absolute idiots. And then the racist thing goes on. There's a couple of points in that movie that I don't hear anyone talking about. It's the number one movie in 89 countries on Netflix. Number one movie. 
Barack Obama was instrumental in that movie. He helped shape that movie. He gave notes on what was plausible, what wasn't. If an EMP happens, what is it really going to be like? How would the government react? What would He knows. It's almost, wow, it's, it's almost like some sort of cognitive preparation, something to get people to look at something and go, oh, okay, well, that could happen. Because what, after you watch it, if, if you're a prepper and you're watching that, your mood's not going to improve. You're not going to go, you know what, I think I have enough. Every American should watch this movie because it's plausible. And they specifically say it's Korea. Somebody else says, no, it's uh, Islamic Jihad. That is clearly Russia, Iran, and North Korea. Where is that coming from? Watch that movie because tomorrow I'm going to talk about it. And it's really, really important but the, the main message to me from me today is get your spiritual house in order. Get your temporal house in order. Because next year, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out, isn't it? American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Okay, holidays are right around the corner. Nothing like piling up just a little bit more of financial stress on your already stressful year. Uh, everything is more expensive right now. If you're like a lot of Americans, you're just dumping it on your credit card. Dealing with that credit card debt, rates are now in some, on some credit cards as high as 30%. That's criminal. That's absolutely criminal. Well, how do you get out of it? If you own your own home, will you please call American Financing? They're helping people just like you get out from underneath that debt burden. They're saving as much as an average of $826 a month for listeners of this program. That goes a long way. 800 bucks a month? Okay. How do you do it? How do they do it? Well, credit cards, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, the interest rate has come down now to 5%. You can grab that 5%, refinance, and save all that money. Some people are saving like $3,000 every month. And if you act now, no pressure, no upfront fees, but you could be able to delay two mortgage payments. That would give you a lot of breathing room. Call American Financing right now. Find out if it's right for you. 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. Americanfinancing.net. 10 seconds. Station ID. I want to address what I think is the biggest lie of the holidays. And this comes from something personal. I was just reading that commercial there for American financing. And I remember when I couldn't put anything on my credit card. I, because I only, I learned from my parents, only American Express. It forces you to pay it off every month so you can't get behind. So I've never carried another credit card. And uh, been spooked by credit cards my whole life because my parents cut them up and threw them in the fireplace because, you know, they went broke. 
Um, and I didn't have any money. And I was living in the same apartment building that Stu was living in. And you were what, 19 years old, 18 years old? Yeah, something like that. You, he started as an intern. And I, who, who was the host of the morning show, was living in the same apartment complex, okay? Broke, broke, broke. I think he actually had more money. I was living <laughs> off of food certificates that the radio station would give away, okay? Um. And I remember the first Christmas like that. And I couldn't afford anything for my kids. Anything. And it was devastating. And the whole buildup, all I could think of is, you're such a worthless dad. You're such a worthless. What do you do? I mean, you can't even afford, you can't afford the cheapest of the cheap. And it bothered me. Deeply, And in fact, 10 years later, when I had turned my life around and had become successful, I went out and I bought everything I could think of for my kids. It was the most hollow uh, Christmas I've ever had. The Christmas uh, that I was broke I actually remember that, and so do the kids. They remember that Christmas. None of my kids remember the one where it was the presents were plentiful. And I just remember after all the presents were open, how empty everything felt. The biggest lie is that you have to buy something for Christmas. The biggest lie, hang on, I've got an ad coming up in a second. The biggest lie is that you have to go to a store or go online. That's a lie. And we've gotten so far away from it, it plays on us because now our kids expect that because that's what they see. That's what Christmas has become. Our founders would have been abhorred by what Christmas has turned into. Christmas was so sacred around the time of the founding that you, you wouldn't have gone and taken off work you wouldn't have you just it was so sacred you kept that quiet personal it was your personal connection with god and the birth of his son and so everybody would go to church but it wasn't like it is now that's an american thing one of the things that i think that we have really gone wrong on is we have lost the true meaning of christmas for and exchanged it for presents please whether you have the ability or don't have the ability, um, remember the true meaning of Christmas. It's not in a package or a bag. It's from the heart and from Christ. The Glenn Beck Program. Now let me sell you something. No, um, this is actually, let me, let me help you out if you are trying to sell your house. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, is a service that I put together to help you. You know, I really truly believe capitalism is at its absolute best when you get up and you think, how can I help people? How can I make their life easier? This is what realestateagentsitrust.com is. I got up because I was struggling with real estate agents. My brother was struggling the same thing and had no idea how to even interview a real estate agent. 
Then I started working with what the Wall Street Journal said was the 500 best real estate agents in the country. And I learned what are the best practices? How do you interview? What do you look for? And so we put together a company that does just that for you. And so you call and these people don't work for us. They work for all kinds of different companies. But these particular people have the assets you need to be the best real estate agent for you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Free service to you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn and use the code Glenn Plus. There you'll save 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. There's a couple of things going on with... uh, with a woman that runs Harvard. And one of them is, hey, I have to have a room with with color crayons and comic books so you can read a comic book and then, you know, color a happy tree because you feel like you're being, you know, uh, you have microaggressions all around you. Stopping free speech everywhere, unless you're calling for, you know, the death of Jews. Then I guess, hey, we, well, we, we oh, free speech. It's crazy. But there's something else that has now been brought uh, brought up that I think people knew about uh, in in the Harvard world, but didn't say anything. And that is the fact that its president, Claudine Gay, uh, broke Harvard's own code of conduct on plagiarism. And it's a pretty significant amount of plagiarism, uh, including her doctoral dissertation was plagiarized. Parts of it were wholly plagiarized, and she never credited anybody. Now, here's why this matters. You plagiarize something. I don't really care. You plagiarize something in a book and claim it's yours. Okay, I care because that's stealing from somebody else. You plagiarize in a university. Well, you're setting the standards and trying to hold those standards of academic excellence and honesty. And if the person who's at the top is known to have plagiarized, how do you tell the students we're going to kick you out? This has nothing to do with her testimony, but it has everything to do with how corrupt our, uh, our universities are, how morally corrupt they are. We have uh, uh, Aaron Sabarium uh, uh, on with us now. He wrote a great uh, piece for the Washington Free Beacon, and we wanted to talk to him about this. You went to Yale, uh, and you were the editor of the Yale Daily News, so you know something about I- Ivy League and uh, and plagiarism. Not not really celebrated, is it? <laughs> uh, no, Glenn, it is not. Yeah. Uh, it is not celebrated, and in fact, uh, I would say that generally at, at all of these schools, it's standard to get a lecture saying it doesn't matter how small, it doesn't matter if it's intentional, if it's unintentional, uh, even if you do it with the best intentions, uh, it's still a serious problem. You should double check your work to make sure absolutely nothing is plagiarized. That is what Harvard tells its students in a very long document that outlines its policies very clearly. It no fewer than five times indicates that intent is irrelevant. If you take any uh, language or even just ideas or content from someone else and don't uh, cite them, it's plagiarism. Um, And according to the letter of the Harvard plagiarism policies, 
Gay clearly violated them on at least some occasions. Yeah, and like significant. I mean, you you and your article go through it. We don't have to go through it here, but it's significant. Why does this matter? Well, look, you know, if people do make mistakes, and if this were, if 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 this was what we found out of a corpus of say a hundred or two hundred peer reviewed papers, one of which had won a Nobel Prize, you might think, okay. It's a few paragraphs here or there, but the overall content's original. Is this such a big deal? I, I think it's worth emphasizing that she has published in total uh, 11 peer-reviewed articles, 11 in the past uh, two decades. That is a really, really small number um, for any academic, I think, at a prestigious university, but especially for the academic that the university chooses to elevate to uh, his highest position. So you're not talking about uh, a few instances of maybe careless citations or, or plagiarism out of 100 papers. You're talking about it out of 11 papers, right? So we found, uh, so there have been, you know, 11 peer-reviewed articles. We, in two of them, we found examples of plagiarism, then in her dissertation, then in another thing she wrote that was in a non-peer-reviewed journal. So this starts to amount to a pretty substantial percentage of her academic output uh, that contains at least some plagiarized material. Um, so as a percentage thing, I think that that's actually the best way to look at it. It's it, it's not just a couple mistakes here or there. It seems to be a pattern, and it's a pattern that uh, is fairly consistent throughout uh, two decades of relatively meager. Uh, scholarly output, meager scholarly output. So this is not anything new. I mean, it's my understanding that this has kind of been known and kicked around for a while, but just kept quiet. It didn't matter. Is that true? Well, yeah, it appears to be true because just last night, uh, the New York Post reported that they had many of these examples uh, and confronted uh, Harvard with them all the way back in October and, Ra- and Harvard claimed, oh, we addressed it promptly as soon as it was brought to our attention. We initiated a review of Gay's work, and Dr. Gay requested corrections proactively. Well, what, what the Harvard Corporation didn't mention is that apparently they uh, intimidated, may have even threatened to sue uh, the New York Post for defamation uh, after the New York Post reached out for comment. Um, so Harvard apparently took this seriously enough that they thought it was worth hiring the best defamation law firm in the country, Claire Locke, uh, God knows how much they were paying them, uh, to send a 15-page uh, intimidation letter to journalists who are coming to them with examples of plagiarism. Uh, so clearly they thought that it was worth uh, pulling out the big bucks, uh, shelling out a lot of money to shut this down, and that was all the way back in October. So why would they do this to protect? I mean, why? Um, I think that Claudine Gay is uh, <laughs> emblematic yeah. of, of the of the kind of DEI ideology uh, that that is that is regnant at Harvard. Um, you know, some people have focused on her race and gender, and I'm sure, you know, they don't want the optics of firing Harvard's first black president. Yeah, of course. 
Um, but I actually think it's, it's more than that. It's that she, she both kind of represents the, the ideology they already subscribe to and they don't want the ideology discredited. And also, um, this I think hasn't gotten as much attention. She was a very shrewd political operator before she became president. She was sort of at the center of a lot of cancellations, right? She helped engineer the bureaucratic demonstration of both um, Roland Fryer, who's this really uh, famous black economist at Harvard, and she helped also strip, um, uh, what's his name, Ronald Sullivan, uh, Harvard law professor, from an administrative post after Sullivan uh, made the decision to serve on Harvey Weinstein's defense team. Um, you can't defend the unpopular, that's, that's, that's no longer allowed. Uh, so she, you know, I think kind of had a, had a pattern of rewarding friends and punishing enemies um, and seems to have kind of maneuvered the administration and bureaucratic apparatus of Harvard around her uh, very shrewdly. That's part of how she became uh, president. Uh, and I think that that background maybe part of why they're so unwilling to let her go. The whole kind of institution has in some sense been mobilized around her right. and she's kind of put all the pieces in place. Um, does it play any role that her first cousin is Roxanne Gay, who is a femi- feminist author and New York Times writer who's uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely a terrible human being? Uh, you know, honestly... I don't know if that really, I think they would do this with, with just about anyone in her position, any, anyone in her position, anyone with her ideology. Um, I mean, and, and I would think too, right. They've obviously been under pressure from donors, um, but they're also under pressure from them from their own uh, faculty and students. And, you know, you mentioned uh, the, the testimony she gave where she couldn't forthrightly uh, condemn calls for the genocide of Jews. You know, I, I think part of the issue is that, she couldn't really go up there and say, you know, yeah, we support free speech in all cases. And in fact, yes, even if you want to call for the genocide of insert other group, we will protect that because we're so principled, A, because it wouldn't be true. And we all know it's not right. true. But B, because if she had said that, you know, student activists would have come try and tried to burn her house down. Right. right? So they really she's to be fair to her. She is kind of in a rock and a hard place. And no matter what she does or what Harvard does some constituency is going to throw a fit. Well, I have to tell you, um, you know, I don't want to see harm come to anybody, but you know, gee, if, if you get nailed by your own policies, uh, and, uh, your life is tough because you shoveled this poison and now that poison is coming back to haunt you. I, uh, you know, I have a hard time again with nobody being hurt. I have a really hard yeah. time, you know, uh, giving any sympathy to her at all. Um, thank you so much. It, w- one one last question: Is this an issue outside of her? Should this be an issue outside of her testimony? In other words, is this just being brought up because there's a mob on the other side that is saying, "Hey, she should be fired for this"? Is this a real issue beyond the anti-Semitism stuff? Um, 
obviously the anti-Semitism stuff increased scrutiny on her. I mean, it'd be silly to deny that, but I think it would still be an issue. Um, you know, this, the, the, the plagiarism isn't quite as severe as say, it's not like data fraud, right? There's a guy at Stanford, actually, former Stanford president right. stepped down amid allegations of data fraud. I mean, that was really serious, right? Um, on its own terms. I, I think this is, would be an, a scandal on its own. The anti-Semitism stuff obviously amplifies it, makes it worse. But I, again, I think the real context here is the, the meager scholarly record, right? If, if Again, I, I really don't think people would care. I wouldn't care all that much. Right. We had found this and it was in the context of like 200 brilliant peer review papers, but that's not the context. And I think that what it underscores is that this woman clearly was not chosen um, for her scholarly merit. Uh, if that was the criterion, they would have chosen. They had a lot of other candidates at Harvard that would have would have been better. Thank you so much. I appreciate appreciate all your work and all your writing. God bless. Thank you. This week, December 18th. Um, is that the 16th or 18th? My eyes, man. Uh, December 16th marks massive watershed moment in American history. 250 years ago, our forefathers staged what? December 8, uh, 16th. What happened? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Company Christmas party? Well, kind of. Mm-hmm. Boston's Tea Party. Oh, yeah. There you go. So uh, do your kids know why? Do they know the great stories and ideals of the founding of our country? You know, a lot of kids are being taught to hate America, to hate our history. They're saying now they're being taught that the Boston Tea Party was terrorism. If you actually know the true story of the, it's the furthest thing from terrorism. Giving your kids the uh, Tuttle Twins history books is an easy way to give your kids a key to unlock history and the future. This week only, Tuttle Twins are given a huge discount on those history books in honor of the Boston Tea Party's big anniversary, ensuring that your children are educated in history. It is up to you. If you don't have these books yet, go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get them at a big discount, their lowest price ever, plus all of the bonuses like videos and the audiobook version for free. The sale ends Saturday. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. That's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Glenn Beck. Yes, yes. Welcome. Uh, all right, so um, uh, Hunter Biden is going in to, he's ready to answer all the GOP questions. He just held a press conference a minute ago live, and here's what he said. I have earned degrees from Georgetown University and Yale Law School. I'm proud of my legal career and business career. I'm proud of my time serving on a dozen different boards and directors. And I'm proud of my efforts to support local business relationships. For six years, MAGA Republicans, including members of the House committees who are in a closed-door session right now, have impugned my character, invaded my privacy, attacked my wife. Hey, can we stop for just a second? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Attacked his character? What character? Invaded his privacy? What privacy? You put everything on your laptop and then left it. I mean, what privacy? Uh, what else did he say we invaded? I mean, 
I mean, just that is enough, but go ahead. My family, my friends. Okay, stop. Your friends and the boards that you were on, they're littered with either communist or criminals. And, or, and people who have come out to say that you were in the middle of committing criminal right. acts. Yeah, your other friends, it, it's not the GOP doing it, it's your other friends who have come out and said that you, know, you were taking money from really bad people. I'll just point that out. They ridiculed my struggle with addiction. Nobody has done my character, eh. invaded my privacy, attacked my wife. Okay, so wait a minute, but children. wait. Stop, we don't Maybe need Maybe we ridiculed anymore. his... Uh, <laughs> His battles with addiction a little bit. Uh, uh, maybe a little. I mean, the no, dude his, turned in a Hertz rental car with a line of Coke on the dashboard. <laughs> That's mockable. Yeah. It is. I, I'm we, sorry. We weren't, we weren't mocking his uh, his struggle to stop. No, no. It didn't seem like he was struggling at all. No. <laughs> he seemed to be handling the purchase of women and drugs. He spent over $300,000 on various women, according to the IRS. And that's, and that's in one that's, year. I was going to say, that's in Two one year. Two separate years. It was still six figures, but it wasn't quite up to the $300,000 standard of yeah. that wonderful, I think, 2018 year. So, and you know, when you're, when you're weighing your crack cocaine yeah. and you're using your phone to videotape it at the same time, I really, I mean, I think you're asking for he it. tried to deduct a trip to an exotic dancer by claiming that he purchased art. <laughs> now, I guess there is some art involved in exotic dancing. Art is in the, the eye right of the beholder performer. or in the G-string right. of the dancer. <laughs> I so, suppose that's true, yeah. but I don't think that's what the IRS believes. <laughs> you don't? No. Oh. No. So, well, they seem to have. I mean, for a while there, they seem to have no problem with that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. okay. All right. Back with more in a minute. Mr. Mark Levin joins me next. The Glenn Beck Program.